Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 333. The look on her face just had me hooked. I just thought quilting is the thing. This is what I need to be doing. Attention, gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, and happy Saturday. Surprised to see me here instead of on Mondays? I'm doing a switch up of the air dates of the show. This is the second week we're publishing on Saturdays and Wednesdays instead of the traditional Monday-Thursday. Why? To see if this is better for you. I'm thinking there may be more listening time over the weekend, given many of you have 9 to 5 or other part-time jobs. Of course, the shows are available to you already come Monday, if that's what you prefer. Isn't it nice to have options? If you have thoughts or comments on this, I welcome your input. Just direct message me on Instagram over at giftbizunwrapped. Within the past week, the Philadelphia Candy Show has been canceled, and I'm just waiting for a couple others to fall in line. It's because of the uptick of COVID cases, of course. Looks like we're not through with this pandemic yet. I think we saw it coming, but this brings up the question of holiday sales, doesn't it? I mean, I remember last year, a number of people had to make changes at the last minute because holiday craft shows were also canceled. Maybe the case this year, too, so definitely start thinking about alternatives. Towards that end, let me remind you that I sponsor the At Home Craft and Gift Show, and it's happening again this year from December 4th through 15th. To hear more about online shows and why the At Home Show is so different, reference episode 304 right here on Gift Biz Unwrapped. Of course, I'll be talking about this more as it gets closer, but this is a good time to look at alternatives and backup plans before you're in a panic about where you're going to show your holiday product and get those sales for this year. Today's show is one I'm really excited for you to hear for a couple of reasons. Brandy's story is so uplifting and full of twists and turns and just fabulous feel-good moments. When she started her creative business, she was an active firefighter. I know we have a lot of people who listen here who are in the medical field, but firefighting, I believe, is a first. You'll hear how she merged that into her love of fiber arts. It really brings home the point that you never know how a career you may have today will serve you in the future, too. The second thing I want to point out to you is when Brandy talks about creating her business her way. She met with a lot of resistance because she wanted to do things differently. Limited thinking came her way in all sorts of directions, and I'm so happy she didn't listen to it. If she did, she wouldn't have the quilting empire that she does today. Let's dive deeper into this by hearing about it from Brandy directly. Joining me today is Brandy Maslowski of Quilter on Fire. Brandy is a quilt art teacher, speaker, judge, and author of Christie's Quilt. Her business, Quilter on Fire, explores the texture, color, and boundless possibilities of fabric with her passionate quilting community. Brandy also travels the world to educate, speak, and ignite creativity with the tagline, More Joy, Less Overwhelm. She also hosts her weekly podcast, sharing the stories of inspiring quilt professionals. Brandy, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Hi, Sue. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be super fun. This will be fun. And I think you're the second quilter I've ever had on the show of all these seven years. So (laughs) that's really exciting. Before we get started, I want to go into what is a traditional question of mine, and that is your motivational candle. So if you were to share with me a candle that you would create that speaks all to you, Brandy, 
What color would your candle be and a quote or a motto that would be written on the candle? Oh, I love this question, Sue. I just think that my candle color would be a pale, buttery yellow. And rather than sort of a nice, fluffy, motivational quote that would lift me up and bring me joy, I think I would want something right in front of me that just hits me in the face. And so the quote that I think I would choose would be, what are you waiting for? Because day in and day out, I tend to gravitate towards things I love or do something that's volunteer or do something that's for other people when really there's a task I just need to do in my business. So my beautiful little fine smelling motivational candle would say, what are you waiting for? Do something amazing that's going to make your business grow today. Oh my gosh, I think the tendency to do things for everybody around us and then not take advantage of things that are in our heart we really want to do is something we can all resonate with. Yes, and I think there's something that happens. I don't know if it's a female entrepreneur thing, but when I'm about to make waves in my business or bring in a bit of income for the first time, I often tend to go over to the side and do something for someone else, volunteer or sabotage myself slightly. So the what are you waiting for quote is really a good one for me. It kind of smacks me in the face and says, hey, listen, lady, this is time to take action and make a move in your business. So would you say you use it as an excuse? You stay busy because it's comfortable to do versus doing the thing that you know in your heart you'll be so proud of when you've actually accomplished? Yes, absolutely. Like, I don't know why, but my house is spotless when I have a big thing I need to do in my business. I will run and clean a bathroom to keep the busy work going when really I just have one great big thing I need to tackle that morning. So that's something I work on every single day. I have to forgive myself for going off and doing some other thing and get right back to business. But you know what? You recognize that that's by nature what you do. So recognizing it is the first step to really just overcoming that and getting done what you know you really want to do. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's dive into your story. Like I said, I'm so excited. I was a quilter. Well, I still am a quilter. I guess once you have the skills, you always do, right? But I have not quilted for quite a while. Business kind of took over, (laughs) to your point about your candle. But talk to us about quilting, how you got interested in it, and the very start. Well, I was 12 years old when I took my first stitches, and it was at a local flea market. The rage at that time when I was that young age was Cabbage Patch Kids. And so I was at this table at a flea market, and I saw this female creator. She had Cabbage Patch doll clothes all over her table, and I just gravitated towards it. I wanted to buy some, but I didn't have the money. And every week I showed up milling around her table, and finally she said, have a seat and let me teach you how to stitch. So she taught me how to hand stitch, and I did that every single Sunday for the entire season. Till the end of the season, she gave me a bunting for my Cabbage Patch Kid, and I had made a shirt over the season myself by hand. And that really was my intro to handcraft and the, the great feeling that comes from creating something yourself. And from then, as I grew, I was sort of a voracious crafter after that. I did all kinds of craft shows and stuff. And one day when I was working at a craft store, a friend of mine came along and said, you're kind of crafty. Can you make me a quilt? I want a quilted wall hanging for my grandmother and her 80th birthday's coming up, or it may have been her great grandmother. And I said, you know what? Yeah, why not? I've never made a quilt, but why not give it a try? And not only was it a patchwork quilt, but it was also a photo quilt. So it had all these elements to it that were difficult and new, but I gave it a try. It took me forever to do. I procrastinated a bit. I pulled it off at the last minute. And when I brought it to that birthday party and she gave it to her grandmother, the look on her face just had me hooked. I just thought quilting is the thing. This is what I need to be doing. So that's really how my story got started. And was the whole thing hand stitched back at that point? I was using my mom's old Singer sewing machine and I was piecing and chopping and turning things and trying to make them fit. I was using ribbon and lace and sashing and I was iron photo transfer. It was crazy. And the binding was just a big old wrap around of the backing to the front because I didn't really know how to do a binding yet. So there's all kinds of crazy things going on in that quilt. But looking back, I was pretty proud of that. I really couldn't believe I pulled it off. It worked out really well. Talk about a serious challenge as your first project. It could have gone either way. You could have been so frustrated and said, I'm not ever doing this again. It could have gone very badly, but she was quite specific in what she wanted. She wanted floral. She wanted lace. She wanted the photos in there. And the photos are really the feature because it was her grandmother. 
a picture of her as a child doing the splits in the center of the quilt and pictures of her and her family all the way around in a big circle. So you couldn't really go wrong because it had such a heartwarming element. That sounds amazing. Oh my gosh. Okay. And so what happened from there? So from there, I went to university and I got an English degree and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I ended up seeing something in the newspaper that said, apply to be a firefighter. And I thought, this is active. This would be different every day. This would be great for the community. I think I'm a giver. And my father's a firefighter. My uncle's a firefighter. My great grandfather's a firefighter. So it really ran in the family. And I think I just launched right into the idea that, yeah, this is a good thing for me. So I became a firefighter over the next year. And I started to use stitching, handcrafts, quilting as my creative escape. Firefighting is difficult, as you can imagine, and there are a lot of things that you see that you need to deal with. So stitching ended up being my reprieve from all of that difficult stuff that you see. So I really just dove into quilting. I've been quilting for 30 years now, and it has always been my creative escape. It's been the thing that has kept me whole and brought me back to calmed my mind and grounded me. So I've always used quilting as sort of a healing process. And so what were you doing with your quilts? Because at some point you run out of friends and family to give quilts to. Well, I ended up gravitating into fiber art. So first of all, I was selling little holiday Christmas tree quilts. And I was always making everything up myself. I've rarely ever bought a pattern. And so I just kind of was randomly making things. And I had this one great craft sale where I sold about 30 little Christmas wall hangings. And I thought, oh, this could really be a business. I could really get into this. And mostly throughout my quilting career, I have sold my art quilts at craft sales and in little coffee shops and art galleries. And so that's primarily, but everyone in my family pretty much has a quilt. I actually just received a call about two weeks ago that I have a, a grand niece, great niece, a new little great niece. So my nephew had a baby girl and he has a new relationship with this wonderful woman and they have a little boy as well that his stepson. So all of a sudden I'm making two quilts at once because I've never made him a quilt either. So every child in my family has a quilt. So that's where all my quilts go. And I do love making quilts for Quilt of Valor as well. Quilts of Valor is really big up here in Canada as it is in the States. And I just really enjoy challenging my listeners to make quilts for Quilts of Valor. And I'm a really big supporter of that organization. For anyone who's listening who doesn't know what that is, why don't you give a little clip for that? Oh, absolutely. So Quilts of Valor is a program that makes quilts for injured and ill soldiers. So in Canada, it's called the Canadian Armed Forces. And when people have PTSD or injuries, the comfort of a quilt can just make a huge difference in their life. And I had the sort of honor of working with Quilts of Valor as on their marketing for a couple of years. And I was able to listen in to some of the meetings. And what they do at the board meetings is they read the letters from the soldiers who get these quilts. And I can just tell you that the tears are flowing. If you ever want to make something for charity, Quilts of Valor is the way to go because the feeling of giving this away, the soldiers say things like, you have no idea that when I wrap myself in this quilt every day, it keeps me here on this planet. And so it's an amazing thing just to know that someone made this quilt for you out of the goodness of their heart, not even knowing who you are. They just know that you needed it. So it's a wonderful organization. That's amazing. And I know you know this working so intimately with the community, but anyone who's a maker is such a giver. And so to be able to do that for somebody where it's so important is so significant. So thank you for sharing that. All right. So you started and like I'm looking at the evolution of how everything merged into a business. So as a child, and isn't it interesting how lots of times the things that bring us joy when we're so innocent are things that we gravitate back to or hang on to as we get older. That's what I'm hearing within your story here, too. So then you started selling at craft shows, which is awesome because you're seeing that people are really interested in what you're making. So how great does that feel, right? And then did you have a formalized business at that point? I started my business in the early 2000s, and it was called Brandy Lynn Designs. And one of my struggles at the beginning was I really wanted to start teaching. I really wanted to start doing lectures and trunk shows, we call them in the quilting industry. So I started to do that, but I started to run into some struggles with the sort of who do you think you are mentality because I was Ooh. young. I happened to be maybe a decade younger than the average quilter at the time in my 30s. 
And I would even just bring in three different colorways into a guild meeting and someone would be like, you can't put red with pink with orange. Who do you think you are was kind of like this overriding notion. And I was thinking, I love this. I want to do this anyway. And so I really started to think, well, you know what, I can do this. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to start teaching and I'll start with the basics. And I really moved into fiber art and it was kind of a different thing than the average quilter was doing. So I was taking people a little outside their element. So I started to teach and I really found a passion for teaching. I love catering to my students and lifting them up. And I had this sort of ideal in my business that no one suffers in silence. And so I really started to have some fun with the teaching and I just went for it. And you weren't worried about the opinions of others that didn't affect you. You just decided, okay, well, if they have different thoughts than me, that's okay. I'm going to still go and do my own thing. Well, I can't really say that it didn't affect me, but over the 30 years, I grew to understand why people might do that and how to sort of overcome it. That is one of the biggest struggles I've had throughout my quilting career is encountering the naysayers. And there's all kinds of different reasons why someone may say, oh, that's not really that great. Or who do you think you are being a quilt judge? Or who do you think you are putting your stuff in an art gallery or anything that you might do? Who do you think you are teaching precision piecing when art quilter? Or there's all kinds of things that people, I don't know if they accidentally say it out loud and don't realize what they sound like, but they actually do it. And so you want to sort of like everything that I do when I do my lectures, I'm talking to women about who do you think you are in a positive way. Let's turn that saying or that notion on its head. And instead of saying, oh, I'm not really a quilter, I'm just kind of trying to say I'm a quilter because I'm doing it. I'm an art quilter because that's what I love. And even if I've only tried it or I'm making my first one or I'm just diving into it, that's who I am and I can be whatever I want to be. And so this is sort of the theme through my trunk show. I talk about firefighter to fiber artist and all of the struggles in firefighting and all the struggles in the quilting world along the way. There was a time in the quilting world when a few quilters really came down on me in a harsh way. And I was kind of booted out of a little sort of guild that I was in because I was like starting a business and like, oh, you're doing a business. Like we're just doing this because we love it. And we think quilting should be, if you're doing your passion, you should do it for free. And so I was kind of missing them because I loved them in the first place. They're amazing mentors, but then they didn't believe in what I was doing. And so I didn't quilt for a whole year after that. And I backed away and it was a really harsh challenge. And I just really let them define me for a while. And I was sad about the whole thing. And then I kind of realized I'm missing my passion. I'm missing what heals me, what lifts me up. I'm just going to dive back in and go for it. In that whole process of forgiving them and moving on from that and defining myself and taking my own path, I realized that other people don't have a say in what I'm going to do in the future. And it's up to me. And I can be a quilt judge if I want to be a quilt judge. And I can charge for my patterns and my lectures if I want to charge. And I don't have to have it really cheap either. I can really value myself and charge what I deserve. So I really learned along the way. It, it, there was a lot of lessons and a lot of trials and tribulations. But I really stood up for myself in the end. And now I try to bring that notion to all the quilters who listen to my shows. Well, it's a powerful message, just claiming your course. And I see this a lot that people feel like if a certain way, it's not done the right way. But what you're talking about is paving your own path, which makes you different. Number one, allows you to fulfill whatever your vision is. And it doesn't have to be the same vision as the person that's next to you. In fact, it's probably better that if that it isn't because then you're different and you're special and you are sharing with the world something new that they may yeah. not have seen before. And isn't that what art is all about onto itself in the beginning? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so talk a little bit more about how you formed the different elements of your company. Like you had your quilt. Was it always teaching or were you also selling supplies? It started off kind of really spread out in different directions. And this is probably a good message for people new to starting a business. I started as Brandy Lynn Designs and I had the Canadian Quilt Talk podcast back then. I think it was 2014, it was 2013 I started that. And then I had my Explore Fiber blog and I was Brandy Lynn Designs. I had all these different names, all these different business parts and directions. And I think I was confusing my audience. And then as I grew in the business and I started to bring in some products that went with my patterns and I, I created a few patterns and I started to bring in products that went with my workshops and I had three lectures now instead of just one and I had a dozen workshops now instead of four or five. 
So I was growing quite well. I really realized that I needed to rebrand and be consistent across all platforms and just be one thing. So I kind of gathered up the people who are closest to me, my friends, my family, and I chatted with each of them about how this could look. And my best friend, I was talking about, you know, I just have this passion for quilting and I just really want to make a transition from the fire industry over to quilting. When I moved across Canada in 2010, I left the fire career after 15 years, but I became a private consultant here. So I still teach fire safety. I help people prepare their properties for wildfire so they don't lose their home. And so still, I actually have an exit plan coming up for next spring that I'm going to be quilting full time. But I was talking to these people about what should I do in my business? What should I call it? And my best friend said, you just have this fiery passion. You're like the quilter on fire. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. That is such a great, perfect name. And I had heard of the entrepreneur on fire and I had listened to all of his podcasts. I absolutely love him. And he actually did a podcast where he was talking to someone who I think was a accountant and he encouraged him to be the accountant on fire. And he had this notion that there's room for everyone in the world. It doesn't matter how many people are on fire. They should all be on fire. And I just thought he flatly gave me permission there to use that name and not worry that it's similar to his name. And it worked out really well. So now every platform, everywhere I am, it's all Quilter on Fire. It's easy for everyone. And it really has made my business more visible to the public, I think. JLD is so generous. He's the one who got me into podcasting. Yeah. And I actually got the opportunity to speak to him on Clubhouse once. And I told him that story. I said, I've been following you forever. I've been listening forever. Here's my little story about why my name is that name. Thank you for giving me permission. And he's like, you go into the world. There's room for everyone. Absolutely. I'm really enjoying your story because it is different than what I often hear. Someone who's a quilter could have the tendency to start by selling the quilts that they make versus helping people develop a passion or an elevated skill within quilting itself. Did you ever think about doing it the other way first? Well, I thought of selling like large quilts and quilts that I made. I gradually went into fiber art, but you know, I kind of found that it's not that lucrative to sell a quilt because there's so much cost involved in the product and the time you put into it can be six months. So you're going to be having to sell a king size quilt for 40, just there's so much time that goes into it. It's ridiculous. So I kind of really felt that how can I bring my value across to people? The thing I love in my business right now that I do it for content is I bring my podcast to people and that's how I bring value to my community. And the teaching and speaking and judging is just an extension of that. It brings me so much joy to travel and see quilting all over the world and do these things at events and meet the people that are in my community. Sometimes I'm giving away a prize to someone who lives in Peru and I'm connected with people all over the place that are just, they might even speak a different language, but we're watching the same YouTube video. So it's really a lot of fun to connect with everyone. So has the evolution, well, I know you sold products in the very beginning when you were younger and the craft shows, et cetera. And then you started more providing information and sharing what you love about the quilting industry through your podcast and your blog. Yeah. Then you started with your patterns. Yeah, I started with my patterns when it was still Brandy Lynn Designs. And I really only have a few patterns because I am an art quilter through and through. So the patterns that I've created are generally for a purpose. So the first big pattern I created was for Quilts of Valor. And that's been my best selling pattern of all time because I challenged my followers to create a Quilt of Valor. And then a friend of mine said, oh, I can't wait to see what you're going to make. And I thought, oh my goodness, <laughs> if I'm challenging thousands of people to make a Quilt of Valor, I guess I better make one myself. So I ended up making this pattern and it has been such a bestseller. It was selling well for two or three years and then it was Canada's 150th birthday. And this pattern is a huge contemporary maple leaf. And so people just went crazy for it in 2017 and I sold out my first 1500 patterns like, over a couple of weeks. And then I republish and I've sold that out as well. So I've sold over 2500 of that pattern and it's just such a wonderful Canadian vibe. I feel so honored to be associated with Quilts of Valor because some of 10% goes to them. And so that was my first pattern and I got a taste for it. So I created a couple other patterns that introduced fiber art and art quilting into pattern. And then the recent patterns that I've made have been because I teach on cruises as well. So every time you teach on a cruise, you need to make an original project for them to do on the cruise. So the last one is called Zen Ocean Waves and it's a big ocean quilt. So my patterns tend to be big quilts, but my own personal work is smaller works of art that's for the walls. 
Oh my gosh, it sounds amazing. And these cruises, are they coming specifically to make the quilts? Is that the theme of the cruise? Absolutely. So the quilting cruises are like, so the first cruise I did was to Hawaii and it was a 15 day cruise. And I took 50 women with me and it was so fun. We did eight full days of workshops at sea and it was overwhelming and a lot of work, but it was really, really fun. And the last cruise that I did, Zen Ocean Waves, where it was actually canceled due to the pandemic, but that cruise was going to be so fun. It was going to be to the Caribbean and we were making this beautiful ocean, gorgeous aqua quilt to go with just sort of as a memory of the wonderful trip. So we're planning to do that cruise again coming up. I'm not sure if I'll be able to pull it off in 2022. We'll see how the company goes and uh, it might be a 2023 trip, but I do definitely want to use that quilt for that cruise because Caribbean is kind of ocean and you just want to have that memory. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That sounds absolutely amazing. I remember when I was part of a quilting group, we would go away for weekends, but not a whole cruise. And I would be so up for that, (laughs) for sure. My quilt travel destinations are just such a blast. You connect with people in a way you never imagined. We all have the same passion and you're seeing another part of the world. You know, it opens your eyes to the textiles and where they come from. Yeah, I love quilt travel. And did I see you're going to Japan next year? Yes, I am going to Japan in June 2022. And then we're also doing the Birmingham, England show in August. And uh, yeah, I love quilt travel destinations. So I'm doing all these trips. I love these ones even more than the cruises and only because I'm not having to teach. I mean, I love teaching, but I'm more like the happiness factor on these ones. So it's really a tour. There is a tour guide in Japan, obviously, because I don't speak the language, but we go to a show. If there's a show at that time, we have our fingers crossed that there will be a show. But yeah, it's so much fun because it's really comforting to have someone plan your trip for you and then you just get to show up and then there's a leader who makes sure everything's going well and you have a lot less stress. Because I'm sure also with the cruises, you feel somewhat responsible for making sure that their project turns out well too. So there's that extra layer there. All right. So, oh my gosh, you're doing so much. I could dive into any of these with a million questions, but let's keep it really relevant to the people who are listening with us right now too. I love the honest point that you bring up. And this isn't just for quilting. There are other types of products that are the same way that if you wanted a business out of something that you make and the product that you make takes a long time, or the elements to the product are really, really expensive. So you're limiting your audience, which there's no problem with that at all. That's what you love to do. You should be doing that. But if you are trying to make it like a life-supporting business, possibly these types of things that you add on top of it, Brandy, are what others could do to fulfill their dream of still doing what they love to do in their passion, but taking it in different angles that can be financially rewarding. So what would you say to someone who's now thinking about that? How would you get started? We'll pause for a quick break to hear from our sponsor, and then Brandy's going to share with us her ideas about how to layer on other types of services on top of your product. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How, you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, Happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. Well, I would say the thing that's worked best for me in my business is to just take one step. So just take one step forward. It's about getting over that fear, right? So if you're thinking, okay, I have a business and I have an idea of what I want to do. Instead of just doing the one thing you want to do, think about what are five, 10, 15 ways that I can bring in income doing that one thing I want to do. So I could do a course and I could have a membership and I could be an affiliate for the wonderful companies that I love and use. And you want to have all these different ways that the same thing can bring value in multiple different ways. 
It's like using your content in multiple different ways. You want it on your blog, you want it on your podcast, you want it on your social media. You're doing one solid thing that brings great value, but you're spreading it out in different areas. So there's a couple different elements there. And I'm trying to do it all. I'm growing as I learn. The other thing I would mention if you're starting out that has really worked well for me in the last year is to put yourself out there on video because I did a three-minute video that changed the face of my business. So in August of 2020, I put out a three-minute video. This is what I offer on Zoom. And it exploded and I have done over 36 lectures. I've done over 40 workshops and I've done two hour workshops, half day workshops, full day workshops, all on Zoom. And it created a business for me that now had the income where I beat that income threshold where I can now apply for grants. So I recently received a grant because I made over 30,000 in one year. For instance, you can apply for a new level of grants. So I got a $10,000 grant for my website. So you really want to bring in lots of multiple streams of income, like just try all the things and see what really works well for you. You might love Patreon or you might like to have a membership and really connect with your audience or you might like to do the podcast but have advertisers or instead if you don't want advertising on your podcast then have affiliates and things like that. So just explore everything and really see what works for you and that is what I'm in the process of doing right now. And so that one video really made a difference for me and the grants also. I mean grants are a big deal because If you're a female small business of different grants out there in the U.S. and Canada, just for you. And if you don't apply for them, you don't get them for sure. But if you do apply, you're opening up the possibility that, for instance, my grant for my website, it's a $10,000 project and I'm going to have a new website in the middle of August. And so $7,500 comes from the grant and I need to invest $2,500, but it's a win for everyone because my e-commerce has been my biggest struggle since 2016 and now I'm actually solving that problem just because I took a chance, I put myself out there and I applied for that grant. So if there's any advice I would give, it would just be take that one step forward, especially if you're afraid because that fear probably means that you're going in the direction that is really exciting. Sure. And so the video that you put it on YouTube and talked about your Zoom classes, is that right? Yeah, it actually is on YouTube. But I just want to tell you about this unique opportunity I had in the quilting world. And any quilter can do this. There's a new company in the U.S. called Global Quilt Connection. It's started by Lyric Kennard and Sue Blyweiss. And they created this online, I guess, website to connect quilt teachers with quilting guilds. And I just thought it was such a great idea. And I dove in headfirst when it was still free. And I said, yes, I'll do a video. I tried it out. And I was one of the very first people to get my video in there. And now it's probably like maybe $50 a year. It's really no big cost. It's so worth it. And you can get your information out there to the masses. It's just such a wonderful opportunity. And I really appreciate those guys for doing that. So that made a big difference for me and my business. And it's on my YouTube channel now. So the YouTube video went to a quilting viewership. So it was a very directed, oh my gosh, that's fabulous. And I would imagine that other types of creative industries have something similar. Because we often talk about doing video and how you should put it up on your website or jump over and start a YouTube channel because there's so much you can share in terms of training and teaching and all of that. But you've taken it one step further and really directed it specifically through quilters through this global quilt connection. Yeah, and you can do that in knitting or crochet or any industry that you're in. You can find a local magazine that has a blog or if you can find someone that has that audience, first you want to figure out how can I bring them value and then see if they're willing to do something for you in the end. And I found that once I created that video, now every time I get a request from a quilting guild like, oh, I like your podcast and I would love to hire you, I send them that video and they instantly know, oh, this is the 12 courses she has available. These are the three lectures she could do. And then they're able to choose from looking at the video rather than trying to go to my website and find what I do. They don't have to do any work. They just click and they've got three minutes and they've got it all there. Love it. And the thing that stood out to me from your story is that when you saw the opportunity, you said yes right away. You didn't think about it. You just said yes. And then you figured out how to get that video done and what you were going to put in the video afterwards. But you committed yourself right away. It goes back to what are you waiting for, right? All right. So this is a great tip in terms of making sure that you put your message in the place where the most people who would be receptive to it hang out. So for you inside a quilting community, 
But how else are you getting attention and visibility to the things that you offer? Well, when I do my podcast, I invite guests and whether they're famous or not doesn't really matter to me. It's their story that I want to share. So I'm sharing the story of quilt professionals and superstars in the quilting industry all the way down to the mom who made a coat of many colors for her two-year-old because her two-year-old loves Dolly Parton. So I treat the average quilter like a superstar and I treat the superstar like my best friend. I kind of try to really just focus on the story and how am I going to bring the listener from here to there? What's the value for them? And so this is sort of the unique thing that I bring to the table is that you can go ahead and throw your earbuds in and start quilting away and listen to my podcast. And all of a sudden you've made like five blocks in a quilt and you've listened to the whole podcast and you're just in your zone. And so that's my goal for people. That's how I bring them the most joy, I think. And even when I'm in a classroom, I tell my students, no one suffers in silence. This is just not something that happens in my class. So you need to reach out to me if you're struggling. I once had a quilter who we were taking apart shirts and we were quilting all over the front of the shirts and putting the shirt back together. It was a super fun class. And she was sitting there struggling and struggling. And I came over and she couldn't see the black on black stitching just to rip the stitches on the side. So you always really have to stay connected with your community and your audience and your students in a way that really supports them. And it makes them think, okay, I can ask her. This is not too dumb of a question. No questions too small. I can just go ahead and say, listen, I'm struggling with this and I want to keep up. Well, that's the nature that you bring to the brand too, the feel and the community and all. I also think a lot of quilters quilt on their own. Either they're confined to their home, so could never, unfortunately, do a cruise or go out to weekend groups or whatever. But having the podcast brings in a sense of community for them within what they're able to do as well. And let's face it, we all can't go out on a cruise every week either, but we might be quilting at home many nights a week too. So if that's our passion. Take us a little bit behind the scenes. You probably have a team now with all the things that you're working on. Well, I am for the first time getting podcast editors, so I'm really excited about that. I actually have a meeting with him. Oh, it's a game changer, Brandy. You could probably give me some advice on that. I've been spending four hours on every episode editing myself in the past, so now I am ready to move on. I have an accountant and bookkeeper. This is the most important part of my team. I swear, I struggled for years and years, and then I finally bit the bullet. I also have sporadically hired virtual assistants, which has been just a godsend, but I just hire them once in a while to help me get back on track. Sometimes my email gets out of control or certain things and then they help me or they help me batch create some content and things like that. So that has been really good. But for the most part, I do almost all of it myself. And to be honest with you, because I have a day job in the fire industry, I've got my fire job down to four hours a day. So I'm thrilled about that. I'm moving into a plan to leave my fire job altogether in the spring, but I spend long hours in my studio. And the thing that kind of keeps me grounded there, like sometimes I'm in my studio from 9 p.m. till midnight, is because I love it so much. And I'm the kind of person who can accidentally quilt all night <laughs> and my husband will come down in the morning and say, what's going on? But I know that it's okay because I'm still building. And once I'm done with the fire, I'll be able to keep much more regular hours. And I really can tell when I'm exhausting myself too much. I love to spend after work and evening time with my husband and son. So that's why I'll do like the 9 p.m. till midnight little stint there. And I love to get up early in the morning too. So I have to be very careful because I'm an early bird and a night owl at the same time. So sometimes I only get four or five hours of sleep. But I know that I'm getting really exhausted when I start to feel depleted and my energy gets low. And then I just make sure, okay, I've got to plan a little better and get a lot of sleep for a while. And then I'm back on track. So my sleep and my energy really kind of dictates if I'm doing a little too much. Well, it sounds like, I mean, you're living your dream, which is if you love what you're doing, you don't work a day in your life. You know, there's a quote, some spinoff of what I just said there. But you also have so many variations, right, from speaking to judging to traveling and teaching and designing and quilting. So it's all these different facets that all spin off that nucleus of your love, which is quilting. Are there any systems or programs that you're using that you would suggest to everyone who's listening here? I think I don't know if I would be able to live without Trello. Trello is, it's like my organizer I use Trello for business and I have a quilter on fire sales funnel, for instance, in Trello, where every time a guild reaches out to me, I create a card for them and I 
goes from new leads to pending to contract in place to booking and then complete and paid and that kind of thing. So I can have like right now, if I just take a glimpse at my Trello for my bookings, I literally have probably 83 bookings in different stages of completion. And I can actually look in there to count. If I'm applying for a show or something, they'll say, how much have you taught in the last year? I can say, oh, 87, whatever. I can count how many. I know who's paid and who hasn't paid. So Trello has really been wonderful for me. I just, I got into it quite early on. I fooled around with it and had fun with it. It's so easy. A monkey could use it. And so it's perfect for me. I just have a lot of fun with it. So that's a good organization tool that I love. It's also perfect because now you're set up if and when you add team members, they can jump in and work on the processes you already have. I haven't often heard people starting with either Trello or I use Asana when they're the only person doing it. But I think that that's brilliant, keeping track of everything and knowing where everything is at any given point, et cetera. Yeah. And I mean, you can even go in there and like, let's say I'm doing a holiday because my son just graduated and we're going to go to Bali. I can jump into Trello and I can plan the entire trip. Everything goes in there from the flights to everything that you're planning. It can be used for business and home and everything. So it's great. Oh, that's fabulous. Love it. Okay. Talk with us a little bit about your book. This is such a fun story. So my book is called Christie's Quilt. And the whole goal of this book is to share the heritage of quilting with children. And so back when I lived in the prairies of Canada, before I moved to the coast here, I went to a quilting retreat every year for about six years in a row. And the last time I went to that quilt retreat before I moved away, we really noticed Christy there. She's a young, uh, she was 10 or 11 at the time. And she was always wandering through the tables looking at her quilts. And she was the daughter of the lodge owners. So she really got involved in just enjoying the process of what we were doing. And the next year we came back and she had a sewing machine set up and she was all ready to go and make her own quilt. And so we were so excited. It was such a heartwarming story. But the thing that happened was that the person who had promised to teach her to quilt was ill that year and she wasn't able to come. So Christy said, where's Wendy? And we said, oh, Wendy's not coming. And so she was devastated because she didn't have fabric or thread or anything. And we were in a very remote lodge in the wilderness. And so everybody banded together and we all pulled any fabric that looks like children's fabric and we all gave her thread and everyone took turns teaching her a different element of how to quilt. And in one weekend, in four days, she created a quilt from start to finish. She did the entire thing herself from cutting to piecing to quilting. She even appliqued raw edge butterflies on top and she bound the quilt herself. So it was such an inspiring feat. I mean, she just took on the challenge and went for it that I just had to write a book about it. And I got her family's permission. And I did a great big Kickstarter project back then that was so fun. And I sold all the copies I needed to make the project successful. And I've been selling it ever since. And my illustrator actually did a really fun thing in the book where she added a little mouse on every page. So when you're reading the book, the children have to find the mouse. And she secretly put me in the book. So there's this curly haired quilter in there that looks just like me. And so it was a lot of fun. The project was so fun. I've been selling it ever since. And I just think it's such a great way for quilters to connect with their children or grandchildren. When you give a quilt to a child, of course, they absolutely love it, but they might not really understand what goes into the making of the quilt. So this is what they read through in the book. Do you know where Christy is now? Yes, I do. I actually had her on my podcast, which is so exciting. She is in her 20s now and she's a nurse. It's such a little inspiring story. It was so nice to have her on the podcast. And all of those quilters who were at the original retreat, they all reached out to me by email saying, oh, it was so nice to hear where she is now and hear the story after the fact. So yeah, I definitely, I jumped at the opportunity to have her on the podcast. I've got to go listen to that one. I mean, I can just imagine because she probably reflects back like the feelings that she had at the time and then the whole experience and then having a book written like, oh my gosh, that's a dream in and of itself. Yeah. And she's been so busy getting educated, but she still has made a few quilts since then. So it's nice to see that she's kept going. For sure. And so do you use this book as you're marketing your business or has it helped in that way? I actually was on Clubhouse the other day and I asked in a room, do you think I should relaunch my book? And the resounding answer in this book publishing room on Clubhouse was, yes, oh my goodness, you should be launching your book multiple times per year. And I kind of had the notion that I did the book, I had the book, and it's just always available on my website. But I've learned that lesson that if you don't put it out there and use it in your business, it's just going to sit there. So I absolutely, that's the next step I need to take is to kind of relaunch that book and have some fun with it. 
I can use it as a draw. You know, people will come for the book and then they'll see all the other stuff that I do. Absolutely. That's giving me some ideas for my book then too. I did the same thing. It's like that big launch when it first comes out. And then if I'm out at shows or something, I'll have it with me. And of course, it's available for sale, but I never really thought of it in that manner. You kind of think, oh, my audience has seen this already, but my audience has doubled and quadrupled over the years. And all these new people haven't seen the launch of the book and they don't really, they might see it on my website if they're going to look for it, but that's not a good way to do business. So you definitely want to get it in front and center so that they're seeing what it is. Sounds fabulous. Perfect. What would you say to somebody who's listening here who is in the textiles dealing with fabrics and has the potential to do more, but they're like, I know, you know, I'm listening to what Brandy's saying, but I just don't know if that's me, if I could do something like that. They have the spark of interest, but they're just at that line of, oh, do I cross it? Do I not? I would say to find your zone. So when you're creating something, whether it's crochet, knitting, quilting, whatever it is, find that thing that is in your zone. When you could accidentally quilt all night or you could accidentally four hours later be thinking, whoa, that time went fast. Find that thing and do more of that and find your passion, what you love the most about it. And throw that up on TikTok or something and try it out. Like get out there and get involved in the community for what you love to do most. If you love quilting, but there's this specific one thing like English paper piecing that really is your jam, go for it and just dive right into that specific thing. I really think the more you niche out, the better. And this is where I'm moving in my own business. I've always done quilting and art quilting and such a wide variety trying to please everyone. I decided to become a judge because I wanted to learn more about traditional quilting because I'm so artsy. But my niche moving forward is art, quilting, and fiber art. And this is the direction I'm going in my business. And it's just what brings you the most joy is what you really need to do. It's the end of the time to start pleasing everyone. And it's the beginning of the time to do what you love and just make a difference in that niche. Yeah. And then you become the expert too when you niche down. And so when you say you're moving in that direction, what does that mean specifically? I'm really excited about the launch of my new website in August, and I'm creating my first online course, which is called Fiber Art Fundamentals. And from there, I'm moving into a huge fiber art project that's going to last a couple of years. So I'm really excited about niching out into that because I've always spread myself a little thin trying to do scrap challenges and blog hops and all kinds of different things that are quilty, but not my specific niche. So I'm really getting into art quilting now and I'm going to go crazy. That sounds exciting. But would you say that testing the waters in different areas helped you really define where you wanted to be? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm balancing people saying, who do you think you are? And I realized over the years that I shouldn't really be teaching precision piecing when my passion is artsy, fartsy, messy, you know, that kind of stuff. So I can do it all. And I've become a quilt judge. When I was learning to be a quilt judge, I would find something like a cathedral window block in quilting and I've never made it. So I would have to dive in and learn how to make that so that I would be able to judge it one day. But really, that wasn't my passion. Like, I like quilting and all the different blocks you can do, but traditional is not the thing that I would create as a pattern or do for a friend. I would make an art quilt or even a modern quilt is more my style. And so I realized over the years that even though I want to learn everything and learn all the rules and know how to do everything properly, now it's time to break the rules and do what I love. Yes, break the rules, Brandy. All right. Well, this podcast episode is going to be going out in August. So your website might very well be up at this point if people are listening right the week that it goes live. What is the website? It's www.quilteronfire.com. Perfect. Okay. So same name. What are you doing? Just moving the domain over when the website gets done? Yeah, I have a perfectly good website right now, but my struggle mm -hmm. is e-commerce. So my e-commerce is going to be amazing and it's going to be a brand new look. It's going to be just entirely new. So I'm really excited about it. It will be the same domain and everything. You can find everything there right now, but it'll just be a brand new look. Wonderful. Well, so everyone needs to go over there right now and then go over again in a couple of weeks because depending on when in August it happens, you might see something new, but that would also be interesting to see the transition. Yeah, absolutely. From one to another. So fabulous. And Fiber Art Fundamentals, what's that going to be about when it actually happens? Yeah, Fiber Art Fundamentals. I've designed the whole course. I've made all the samples. I'm ready to record my video. So what this class is about is it's a small little art project where you learn about color, you learn a little bit about design and switching it up so you have a focal point. 
And then you also learn how to create a facing on the back of a quilt, which is not a common thing that traditional quilters do. So you're learning how to create a little art piece that's maybe 12 by 18, and you can actually put any kind of fiber art on the front of it. So it's fiber art fundamentals, so you're creating a base for your fiber art project. So this will be kind of like the first course anyone would take before they start diving into all the different types of surface design and fiber art that you can do. Sounds wonderful, and I believe that that seems to tell me there'll be extensions to this as well. This is course number one. Yeah, absolutely. So your future is kind of getting laid out before our very eyes here. Thank you, Brandy. I so appreciate you spending time with us, giving a peek behind the scenes of what Quilter on Fire is all about. All you guys have to go listen to the podcast Quilter on Fire, sit and hear the stories of these wonderful quilts. If you're not part of the quilting community, it's just always so fascinating to hear what's motivated individual makers to create what the story behind the quilts are. There's always some story. So I'm sure the stories have to be fabulous there. Plus, Christie's is there, so you got to listen to Christie's. Yeah, absolutely. Brandy, thank you so much. I appreciate you being on the show. I love how heartwarming and genuinely caring you are about the people that you come in contact with and bringing everybody together through the world of quilting. Sue, this has been so fun. Thanks for letting me share my story. One of my favorite things about this podcast is discovering how business forms from nothing into a beautiful, enriching endeavor. Brandy's is one such story. From firefighter to quilter to pattern designer, store owner, and traveling workshop director. This is what's possible for you and your business, too, if it's your desire. That's the best part of all. You can create your business to serve your life however you want it to be. We're moving from fiber art to leather next week, where we'll hear from another fast-track business owner. As always, thanks for joining me here today. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to follow the podcast on your app of choice. That way you won't miss a single episode, especially right now during this air date test. Also, a rating and review would be greatly appreciated. It's a way for the show to be seen by more makers, and it's also a wonderful way to pay it forward. And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you again next week on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. Got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today, 